four, four three, three, two, two one. What? Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst counting I ever did. I'm going to say the front part up front. Putting Hi, guys. Things well, in their place. Being organized. Hi, welcome to Middlebrow. The mini sewed. That's how we wrote it. Never done. Well, we've done a mini sewed. That's not true. We've never done this type of mini sewed before. We decided to switch it up a little bit, but hi. Maybe this won't be an hour long. I'm not sure. Maybe it will <laughs> not take us four hours to record. <laughs> it probably will. But yeah, we're doing a mini sewed because, oh shit, I still didn't do things in order. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Middlebrow. Uh, welcome. We're a mostly contemporary art podcast hosted by two completely average human artists. We talk about art and we try to be interesting and it's for, (laughs) it's for artists and for people who want to know about art, but are a little bit too intimidated. Trust me, we're right there with you. I think I'm never going to get cut. that right. Yeah, I think we can just not do that anymore. No, in my People head, know. I was like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then I started drifting off being like, why is there sound in my headphones in Olive's background? And I was like, oh no, are we going to mess up audio again? Should I have her check her audio? Oh, I need to remind her when she talks on all the previous episodes, she's either shouting or whispering. And that's a problem. Then while I was thinking about all of that, I look up and your face is just staring at me. (laughs) Which never happens. (laughs) I never just sit there and not talk. No. The worst part is, is like, I see that I'm eight out of 10 on my bars here. Okay. And I'm just regular talking. I think it should be fine. So it's the worst last words ever. I, yeah, I'm so traumatized. (laughs) Okay. So a mini sewed today. We're covering two artists. Wait, wait, wait. What? No? This is my best. Oh. (laughs) This is my best friend, Lindsay Schultz. And that, huh? What? I just called you an angel. Oh, I don't believe in religion. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a nice thing to say about somebody. Although Hmm. angels were actually pretty terrifying, I think. Are they? They were like like weird goblins. Are cher- cherubs, no, no. are those different than angels? Those are baby angels. <laughs> no, I don't know. I made baby that angel. Up. You're um, a cherub. No, Gabriel was like a crazy person, I think. I honestly know absolutely nothing about religion. So I have That's no why idea who talk about it with Gabriel you. is. <laughs> I think I'm just bullshitting. I don't really know. He's God's right-hand man, I think. Did you say I think? Yeah, he like delivered all his messages. He was his bitch, I think. Um, he was what? His bitch. Can you not hear me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Gabriel mumbling. was God's bitch. <laughs> Isn't everyone though? <laughs> Him especially. What did he have to do? He just sent all the bad messages to people, and um, oh, so like God was the mob boss, and yeah. he was like the lowest person on the totem pole. Uh. I get, I'm sure he wasn't the lowest because he was his right hand man, but he definitely like went and did his bidding. I think. <laughs> Again, I think. Who's got out there trying to intimidate though? Oh, everyone. Satan? No, I think. He, well, Gabriel does talk to Satan sometimes. He goes to Satan to be like, "Hey, yo, <laughs> stop fucking doing the things that you're doing." So everything God says to stop, <laughs> stop and then doing literally everything that you're doing. <laughs> stop being a snake, you dirty asshole, and then. <laughs> And then 
He's like, Gabriel, come on. Because the devil is a fallen angel. So the devil was Gabriel, basically. But then he like fell from grace and decided to be an asshole. And then, so that's why. So they knew so each other Gabriel's from like back in school probably. So became Satan? I'm guessing like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened. If Gabriel religion class was more like this, maybe I would actually so know something. <laughs> Gabriel and Satan were like friends back in kindergarten. They grew up together. Then like later he fell from grace, quote unquote, became a snake, tried to make a snake. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying like he was a snake when Adam and Eve were there. Mm. Right. Doesn't he he have like hoof feet? Probably too. I just was saying like sometimes he's a snake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that one. I don't know about these fairy tales. (laughs) um yeah so him and gabriel talk sometimes (laughs) i feel like we just lost every listener who is even remotely religious Uh, do we mind nope about that okay (laughs) just weeded out the people we needed to no i think they're great stories i think they're great stories i don't know any of the stories Oh, you should. I tried reading the Bible once when I was young because I thought it was what I was supposed to do. And it was really hard. And the like I told you, that First Testament is terrifying. Really, really scary stuff. Well, and there's like a thousand first pages where it's literally just like... A thousand first pages? I will tell you. Listen, there's like a thousand... <laughs> the first thousand pages are like... And this person had... 10 children and their names were blah 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 and those and this child went on to have this many children with this person and then they had and their names were blah 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 and it goes on and on and on and on and on for There's pages family who names all of their kids after people in the bible they're like here is ezekiel and jedediah and jonah especially when they're the annoying ones like ezekiel and jedediah <laughs> like daniel that's fine that's sure everybody everyone's gonna call you that's Danny. danny's name yeah <laughs> it's fine there's michael like you don't even think about those yeah. as biblical names anymore but if it's fucking ezekiel like come on moses <laughs> there's anyone <laughs> named moses <laughs> i really hope so or, there's no Probably. one named um what's the traitor's name you are you don't know. literally I know asking you don't the know. worst I know person you don't know. theodore nope carter uh judas it's judas Remember? Because, well, whatever. Nope. You don't. Don't remember. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Judas. Yeah. No one names their kid Judas because it's like a fucking curse. Like the omen with, uh, what's his face? Damien. Damien, it's all for you. Nope. I don't know anything about what you're talking about either. Well, now. let me tell we you all about horror edu- stories. <laughs> yeah. We had different educations. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that was my How friend did we get on and this? religious expert, Olive Moya. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope once in an episode I tell you about religion because I clearly know so much about it. Well, I'm spewing things I didn't even think I knew because you're so Me too. Unknowing. Ezekiel, Jedediah, yeah. where did that come from? You knew that. <laughs> um, do Mormons believe in Ezekiel and Jedediah? Who knows? No one knows because they won't let them in the church. Nobody. That's they don't true. Let no, they in there. won't let them in the temple. You can go to church. Two different things. I thought the temple was church. Nope. You know more about Mormons than I do for sure. Yeah. I could go to <laughs> church when I visited my cousins, but I couldn't go in the temple when they got married. Weird. I didn't know they were separate. 
Yep. Churches by their like ward, so it's in their neighborhoods, but temples like the big buildings. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That are like glowed up at night. They're fancy as fuck. That's why everyone wants to go in there. Um, oh, I was going to do some other thing before we talked about the mini-sode. If you like this podcast, could you please go follow us on Instagram for all fun things that you want to see? And because it's a visual podcast, you probably would like to see that instead of just Googling things while you're at a stop sign, which is dangerous. Um, well, don't Instagram at a stop sign either, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, officer, I'm not, who am I to tell you? <laughs> I needed to look up this person's work. Before you look at the episode, just quick flip through all the things that I've told you. And if you could, please, honestly, if you leave a review. That would make our life. I would I would make stickers just for you. Like whoever makes, I don't want to put a number on it, but if we get a certain amount of reviews, I'm making stickers and you all get them for free. Um, and they're going to say Brad. <laughs> exclamation point <laughs> brad just get all of your friends yeah. to rate and review this <laughs> podcast like, i don't want a sticker with your name on it you dumbass <laughs> he's like but it's fun. we hate brad I'm famous now <laughs> um so please rate, brad's review, only subscribe. talking about the bible and he's really wrong about all of it i don't know why <laughs> it's like there's google you could just google it um anyway Minisode. Would you like to say about our minisode? Uh, just listen. You're gonna find out what it's about. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> There's We're- some artists that uh, don't have a lot of info on them because they are younger, and we still would love to highlight those artists and give them a shout out and have you go check out their work. So we decided to both do someone, and we're kind of testing out this little thing of we're gonna look at the work without looking at any of what we already did so the format is we each picked an artist and we wrote what we thought the work was about or what we got from the work and then we actually did research and saw how close we were to it did you get close i think so nice me too See, it's not as scary as <laughs> I thought it was going to be. It was frightening. It's like, here's the test to show everyone how average, completely average human artists you are. Um, but but listen, the reason why we're putting our pride on the line is for you guys. We want, if you're not like a artist, artist or whatever. No one's going to hear that when you whisper. Yourself, oh, sorry. Artist, <laughs> artist. It's my levels are so high. I know, I'm but worried. when you record, it's literally like ha ha ha, and then it's like I fucking hate that. And you're just like whispering, and I'm like, okay, either pulling you down and then pulling you up. <laughs> I'm like your equalizer in real time. Uh, and you wish I could just do it, yeah, normal. Okay. I get that. That's like how you talk, and you're like loud, and then you're like whispering things to yourself. <laughs> But when oh, you're being recorded, I have a mental problem. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I also will talk as slow, and then I notice this about myself, and then I'll talk super fast, like I just did. Like, blah, 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 blah. and then you're like, "What are you saying?" <clears throat> Damn it! What the fuck was I just saying? Oh, I'm gonna try and curse less. <laughs> the last <laughs> one was like overwhelmingly angry all the time. <laughs> I think I just was angry. 
Why at the world. Why are we so angry? I was angry at the world for being, for colonizing no. things and being assholes yeah. and not like giving justice to Brianna Taylor and some yeah. other things that I was pretty mad about. Um, Sorry, mom. I don't think she listens sorry, to this. Sorry, Jesus and Jedediah. Sorry, <laughs> Ezekiel um, and Judas, even though you're a traitor. <gasps> sorry, and Mikey boy. Jonah, Moses. Is he the one? That, Elliot? No. Is Elliot <laughs> Why am I one? asking you? Elliot? Yeah, is Elliot one? No? I don't think so. Okay. Sounds like it, though. Elliot mm-hmm. Smith is my, I was going to say disciple, but that's the opposite. I'm his disciple or something. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Okay. <laughs> well, those names you were naming are disciples, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, oh, guess what? Leave a review and tell me how wrong I am about religion. I would love that. As long as there's a five star. <laughs> as long as we it. don't get listed as a religion podcast. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That would be bad. No. I so voted like today. an explicit <laughs> religion podcast. They love it. Edgy. You know, people who are, you know, people who are religious just are begging for a reason to be able to do something like that. That's why they have Christian rock. It's like really angry mm-hmm. and they want to be. Oh, like Switchfoot? <sighs> yeah. You're like, oh, we're so angsty, but like in a really you? safe way. <laughs> I, lo- I really love Switchfoot, though. I listen back on that and it's so um, nostalgic. I only listened to, I think, their one popular song. Oh, no. I listened to more than that because Christian music was my way of getting into actual music because I grew up in Temecula and everyone has everybody a, listened to country. You know, The yellow brick road to Elliot Smith. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> <laughs> Wish mine was cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Smith is like, we don't need you in your yeah. switch foot. He's like, literally, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Um, who's going first? I think you should go first because you literally what? went Why? first. Because I literally went for oh, because I did this first. Gotcha. <clears throat> On it. Let's do it. Um. Th- oh. Well. Okay. Yeah. Jamie, just kidding. Jamie, I <laughs> did my <laughs> thing on Jamie Holmes. If you'd like to know how that's spelled, it's with two M's, I E, J A M M I E. Jamie makes me a little angry just because. <laughs> what? <laughs> he just Are you going to start swearing again? Well, yeah, maybe. He just started doing art not that long ago and he's doing fucking awesome. So. That's my only swear for today. <laughs> Cut I all guarantee the other ones it's out. not. <laughs> Cut them out. <laughs> uh, it's, can you just bleep me so that I realize how annoying I am? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's just do He looks so initial. serious in this photograph. He's very... Look at those paint pants. Uh, he's so cool, first of all. He's in that... What are those chairs called? Like a 70s... Looks like those, a wicker Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's like on the Al Green album cover. He's he's in a white one. It's like all white. Um, this one's black though, but and it's in his studio just <laughs> casually. <laughs> um, but before all of this, before I tell you about him, I'm just gonna sh- show you his first work, and we're gonna talk about it. So here's could the first you ever one. hold on? Could you ever be yeah. that relaxed looking in? A studio no, portrait like no. every time i've never had them done but in yours you're always just like smiley and cute and like ee! 
I feel like if you posed. <laughs> like, oh, I have before. And it looks like I'm, it's, it's bad. It, it looks like I'm very angry or um, my eye or my eye, like <laughs> my left eye is kind of droopy. Cause it is in real life, but like when I'm serious, it's obvious. I have to like so consciously about open your up eye. my eyes. I have to consciously open up. So um, it doesn't turn out good. I've tried to be serious, and then people are like, "What the fuck?" And then it's not me. So then people who know me are like, "This is a weird photo of you." <laughs> like I just want to be cool, like everyone else. All the other artists are so cool. I try, and like they look badass in their photos and I just, mm-hmm. I can't. And they always pick the one, I'll be serious for a second and then they always end up picking the one where I laugh at how serious I'm trying to be. <laughs> so no, can't do it. I wish I could. I wish I could be so badass. Maybe one day when I come out there, I'll only do a serious photo shoot with you. <gasps> Will you? And yeah, I'll me... just tell you all the things you don't want to hear in the world. Oh, no, then I'll really look bitchy. <laughs> I'll be like, you fucking. Well, this guy looks like Judas. he just got like told the meanest <laughs> comment. He and he's just he's like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Wait, you can keep that fucking too. Because <laughs> you have to. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. That's what his face looks like. He's so cool. When I watched the video of him, which you should absolutely watch. It's just a few. It's like five minutes long. Um, He seems calming like him talking was calming he was very thoughtful but just chill like down to earth so if you look at that he may look a little angry but he's mostly just chill so but also like when he would smile or laugh at something you would just like he just seems genuine in pretty much every way and with his art you'll see he tries to do a lot of good uh, out in the world so i'm excited just, to learn about him he's just fucking cool all right oh he's just really cool <laughs> okay The first one I'm going to talk about is called A Self-Portrait of an Artist on Narrow Street, 2019. So it's this first. Wait, did you not do a background on like when he's born and what? Yeah, but just later. Oh, I felt like it would just be better to look at the things. and Got it. Okay. Did I do a background on when he's born? (laughs) What? I'm looking to see if I did a background. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nope. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need to know. I'm pretty sure he's our age, which is why I have to. 84. He's Danny's age. Okay. Okay. I thought I was going to say 83. Um. Okay. So if you look at this work, it's a very light work in the way that it's like light colors. The background is very textured and looks like it's been covered up with like a creamy white. The figure, which is, in my opinion, obviously him. Well, yeah. Portrait of an artist. Um. And he's wearing all white and it's just kind of like gray and white for the most part. There's like green grass and a fence and a part of a trunk of a tree. But for the most part, it's all white. And he's just seated in a chair in the middle of And very like gestural and painterly. Yeah, definitely. Super loose. I kept wanting to write down haphazardly and I couldn't find a better phrase. (laughs) That's not a great phrase. I don't mean it that way, but... uh, gesturally i guess is a best is a better way of saying it but it's it also doesn't describe it because a gesture to me makes me think of like making a first figure drawing mm-hmm. yeah um which is like sketchy and it's not that it's like i don't know it's like, just bold like mark quick. making yeah just follow our instagram for a second 
at a stoplight <laughs> and just hang out for a little bit. Look at all the pieces. Yeah. yeah. Someone will honk at you if you need to go, if it turns yeah. green. Not in Colorado. No one will honk at you here. Except me. I'll honk at you if I mind. Yeah, people will not honk. It. They're too polite. People, Someone will be at a, a light that has turned green for 30 seconds and not do anything. Wow. Isn't that crazy? If I you don't like, floor it in LA right yeah, when it oh, turns they green. Will kill you. They'll get out of yeah. their car and kill you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I used to honk right away. And then I started like getting nicer and nicer and nicer. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Go. Or if they wouldn't wow. like go quick, like if there's cars coming and they wouldn't like sneak in on the first tiny little. And you're so little... intense in your car too. You're yeah. just like, <sighs> and just like grab your steering wheel and <laughs> spin your car around other cars. You're so dramatic anymore. in Not your anymore. car. <laughs> Romy's just flying across the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore. First of all, not since I had a child. But now, if I do anything, if I do anything remotely quick, like stop quick or, or do anything quick, he goes, he points it out. He's such an asshole. He goes, what was that? <laughs> and I'm like, even if it's just like I stop a little quick because someone's like right there. Yeah. What was that? Mommy, what was that? And I'm like, I had to stop quick. I'm sorry. Such an asshole. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. How did I we don't even- know. Okay. Um, here we go. So the title gives my first big clue. Obviously, self-portrait of an artist. So it's him. Narrow Street. My first guess is that it's like a personal memory. Maybe he lived on Narrow Street or he was around Narrow Street or someone he cared about was on Narrow Street. Or he hung out there. What I really love about his work is what we were talking about. These painterly aspects and his style. I feel like the way he's covered up the background is sort of hastily. looks hasty. Um, it makes it feel like memory more to me. Mm-hmm. Because it's, uh, you know, like in memories you can't it's like remember fragmented. certain parts. Yeah, it's just like I remember exactly what color this thing was, but I have no idea where I was or what I was doing there or mm-hmm. whatever. And it just and feels like, you know, there's a tree trunk there, so it's like there's a tree there, but it's not so specific as to what kind of tree and what kind of leaves. It's right. there's just like a general sense of place without getting too into specifics. Yeah. Like you can tell you're outside because there's a green patch and a you know, literally trunk. just flat green paint. It's not mm-hmm. like it, looks like grass or anything and it half a tree and a fence you know but then there's other abstract like rectangle shapes and then like a 35 cents on the side too just like there i feel like i'm gonna repeat what we're saying details of the surrounding scene aren't clear or memorable but the focal point (laughs) is the artist is depicted dressed in all white sitting in the foreground looking at the viewer but with a staring into space look on his face almost like how he is in his portrait uh (laughs) except less mad there's clearly a tree and a fence behind him the two things that stand out to me are these colorful floating heads behind the fence is that what they are i closed up on i I looked closely at it and Mm -hmm. they're faces okay actually we don't find out whether they're faces or not but if you look closer that looks like faces to me i interpreted that as masks or maybe angry faces or something um Hmm. And an oil pastel, 35 cents, drawn in black, floating near the figure in the foreground. Again, I feel like I 
kind of get a pass here because it's memory. I don't know <laughs> what memory he's recalling. <laughs> but uh, he's thoughtful, like if almost sober. If you're at somber. any museum and you want to sound smart, just say it's about identity and memory. Yep. Which <laughs> <laughs> is exactly what I said. And I was right. You'll always be right in that way. Unless you're looking at, well, some of your work is that way. I was going to say looking at your work about the salt and sea or whatever it's just like my Kirkbride piece it's about identity and memory (laughs) she She loved her time there lunatic (laughs) (sighs) um yeah my thought my guesses were and again we don't find out about this unfortunately but maybe he's purposefully ignoring the angry masks behind him are we sure those are angry masks no 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 this is just my guess like it was my first thought because they're super colorful and they're not attached to anything and they look like faces it was just my guess got it we don't like i just said we don't find anything out about that so it might not be ever no one has ever mentioned it (laughs) the air unless we want to talk to jamie we should email him the area is strewn with random chairs white half-painted shapes and it seems cluttered but he's at ease the environment seems familiar to him. Here's some other pieces. What stands out to me in these is cultural cues like getting a fade or a haircut or whatever outside an apartment complex by the telephone wires. A woman in her house fanning herself with a paper fan that has an image of some sort of church person, a pastor maybe. Other things pointing to religious-like signs for Sundays. oh other things pointing to religion like signs for Sunday service. Um, socioeconomic nods to relationships with money like the words rent $500 or 480 per month written on his paintings. Uh, one of the works called Mama Raised Me. It just has this creepy yellow happy face painted quickly mm-hmm. on the top of the scene with a red smile and empty circles for eyes. And it reads, we happy here. But then it's crossed out. And I kind of was thinking like almost sarcastic or like they're trying to convince themselves that they're happy. The woman in the piece sits on the couch, posed and smiling at the viewer. A childlike drawing of a house and what looks like math, more rent calculations maybe, I don't know, literally hanging over her head. Kind of makes me think about the conditions of many black communities living in poverty due to systemic racism. But also something that I noticed about all these is like the act of making portraits of these people shows that the subject is worthy of importance and that they're kind of like the figures themselves are made with painted with care and they're sitting there for this portrait kind of or like you know even if you would take a photo of someone like this it's it's special they're there they're proud to be there in their environment so those two things kind of are in my mind about that. Interesting. This, and I really like this moment on her wrist is like her arm and hand are, I mean, not completely rendered out, but more rendered in paint. And then her watch is just this like mm-hmm. quick little line doodle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's literally just an outline in oil pastels. Yeah. Yeah. And some things are painterly, like even her dress as flat as it is, it's still... You can see where there's not a second layer of paint in certain parts and other things like the floor is super and her hair is just like mm-hmm. completely black. Um, And he does this floor in all of his paintings pretty much. It's incorporated this checker floor. Mm-hmm. He explained it later and I don't think I wrote it down because I, I didn't, it wasn't like super significant. It was just like 
it ended up being his studio floor or something. And so he mm. just had it in pretty much every painting. Here's another one that I didn't look into more, but <clears throat> I got a lot of info about this painting. But it includes similar things. There's black Jesus on a cross in the very center. Um, it looks, again, like a memory. There's the checkerboard floor and two like young black kids, m- male, that are on um, bumper cars, like at the fair or something. And this is the second time there's like a washing machine in the background, right? Yep. Yeah, down here there is. Yeah. And he has this like flower wallpaper background behind one of the boys. He does that in other pieces too that I didn't put on here. Um, and it's just like scrawled next to Black Jesus. It says Sunday, 9 a.m. And then there's some other like scripty writing that's covered up with things. And anyway, that's called All on a Sunday. And that's 20, that was made this year, 2020. Hmm. Uh, here's another one that has like a washing machine and that black and white checkerboard floor again here. This is the one with the, um, like pastor on the fan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Her arm is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> one hand is on her face. Like she's resting her chin on her face and that's like kind of rendered, but the other hand that's holding the fan literally isn't even holding the fan. It's just like scrawled in blue totally separate from her arm and it's just an outline um which is it's my favorite and i like the text fan above yeah (laughs) yeah it's like labeling it and there's other ones where he has like jugs of water and it always says water on it um that he did i don't know if i i'm I'm gonna wait to talk about it because maybe he maybe i wrote it down so anyway this one's called untitled aunt 2020 so clearly family members, mom, mm-hmm. aunt, women specifically. And then when it's when it's kids, it's like young boys. So again, kind of like puts me with the idea of memories. Okay, here we go. The facts. Let's hear what it's actually about. Um, Apparently she got it spot on. I got it pretty, f- pretty right. Sorry, Mata, <laughs> I get excited. <laughs> um, okay, info, just real quick. From the New York Times Style Magazine, Jamie's site, Library Street Collective site, which is his gallery, and LMAK gallery site. I nailed it, mostly, kind of. Uh, I swear I didn't cheat, but his work is kind of, it does a good job of creating a narrative and depicting what it was intended to. I mean, it's not like it's completely abstract or super highly conceptual. It's like, you know, narrative-based um and representative in a lot of ways okay jamie is a self-taught painter from thibodeau louisiana i'm just gonna copy and paste Mm. this from his gallery in detroit because it's awesome it says his work tells the story of contemporary life for so many black families in the deep south through portraiture and tableau Holmes depicts stories of the celebrations and struggles of everyday life with particular attention paid to a profound sense of place. Growing up 20 minutes from the Mississippi river, Holmes was surrounded by the social and economic consequences of America's dark past situated within deep pocket of the sunbelt where reminders of slavery exist alongside labor union conflicts that have fluctuated in intensity since the Thibodeau massacre of 1887. His work is a counterpoint to the romantic mythology of Louisiana as a hub of charming hospitality 
an idea that has been perpetuated in order to hide the deep scars of poverty and racism that have structured life in the state for centuries. Oh, also, this is random, and I should have set this up top, but I listened to, I finally got around to listening to 1619. Did you listen to that one? The no. podcast? It's so good. So so eye-opening it's like things i already knew about history but <clears throat> just on a deeper level that was and it's only like five or six episodes okay i highly recommend that and then also there's a new one that came out i'm gonna subscribe to it right now 1619 yeah, yeah it's so good the new york times did it and then it's called louder than a riot and it's about the connection between hip-hop and mass incarceration and um, it's so, so interesting. The two people that host it are like hip hop masters. Like they know everything about hip hop and the whole history of it since like the 70s and 80s and the effect it had on just like about the back and forth between the crack epidemic and like Reagan, the Reagan administration and all that stuff. It's so interesting. Okay. So anyway, I just wanted to say those. So much quick. stuff to listen to. I know. Oh my God. It's it's well, good and important stuff to listen to. Know yes, your history. It, Exactly. Um, okay, here we go. So or not Jamie, even your history, just no yeah, history. <laughs> history. Uh yeah, because there's so much to, More important to that know we haven't been taught. Yeah. Look outside of yourself. <laughs> yes, basically. Perspective. Okay. So Jamie grew up on the <clears throat> he grew up on Narrow Street, which was referenced in that first piece. Here's a picture of the sign for Narrow Street, and this is I think his childhood home, which I believe he, if you look up at that very picture of him, yeah, mm -hmm. is the home that he painted in that. It's behind him in the studio. He found a lot of inspiration from the photographer uh, Gordon Parks, mm -hmm. yeah, who I didn't know about, which is really sad. Uh, I want to do a whole episode on him because he's- No, I was going to. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. go, go, go. You do it. I, he um, was already on my list. Oh, my God. This is a perfect little segue to that because- yeah. And I was like blown away by him. His work is so amazing. He's also referenced multiple times in Lovecraft Country. Okay. They have these scenes that are set up almost identical to his photographs. That's so it cool. is mind blowing. Like one that he's most famous for is a mother and daughter outside. And she's there in like her bra straps kind of over her shoulders. And they're both in, you know, like like Sunday dresses and Sunday, you know, white mm -hmm. heels and stuff. Um, yeah. And then there's a woman in down the sidewalk in a red overcoat. And then the cars on the street and like where everything is. Lovecraft Country got it spot on. And it's That's just like so this cool. one moment where it's there and it's basically a living photograph. And then the characters come out and walk across Dude. the street. And it's just so beautiful. This like perfect nod to history time place art like everything it's just and it's not in your face it's like if you know yeah. you know but if you mm -hmm. don't you it just looks it just yeah. looks like a scene yeah and there's another one like at an ice cream stand and it's just these beautiful nods that um i was so excited about when i saw it that's so cool that you could like spot it and know because those the people that make that kind of stuff put so much work into all of that mm -hmm. and it's just it's i don't know that that really gets me excited it makes me feel like what we were talking about last time like people just can create things new and pull from everybody just makes me excited to be someone who creates things and be a part of that whole mm -hmm. awesome um and it's such an amazing thing for photojournalists who are really just that talented i feel like 
when the images are so well-timed and well-composed that they look borderline like Gregory Crutzton-esque, like Mm -hmm. so hyper-staged. And I feel like B, I don't know, maybe people are just more on guard now. I feel like you can't go anywhere with a camera and take pictures of people without people getting mad at you and then on the opposite side we do that all the time yeah like we have a secret camera because we're always on our phones like it's easy to take photos of people or video unless you leave your sound on and you take pictures of people at starbucks and it's like like, oh you look at your phone like it did something on its own like oh why are you taking photos Sorry, that was the one time I was actually scared for my life. Anyways, so Gordon Parks, yes, Gordon Parks. I can't wait for you to do him. Definitely be doing an episode on him. So excited! I've been wanting to do a photographer for a long time too. So (gasps) yeah, yeah, okay. I'm excited. (laughs) Okay, ready? Uh, where are we at? Oh, who's Gordon Parks? Whose documentary photojournalism work was prominent in the 1940s through the 70s? He admires him for his ability to, quote, capture the beauty and heroism of working black Americans through many decades of discrimination. So there's lots of parallels between Jamie and Gordon that seem to connect them, uh, at least in Jamie's eyes. Parks photographed the first black fighter pilot and Holmes served in the armed forces. Parks shot African-American workers at Standard Oil and Holmes worked in Louisiana oil fields for many, many years. And they are both self-taught artists. So here's some of Parks's photographs. I thought I had the one you were talking about, but I must have just seen it when I was on his site. I connect. Oh, so I visited the website, and you should too. All mm-hmm. of you, everybody, it's very, very interesting. Although you can just wait till Lindsay does an episode on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I go c- now too. Get us. Yeah. Get excited. Just real quick. Get a sense of him. Get pumped. Um. So the foundation gives grants and fellowships and among the recipients. Oh, the Gordon Parks Foundation. Yes. I was like, the foundation? The foundation. Is this like a new cult? (laughs) Oh, they'll call you and tell you you're a genius. Yeah, yeah, the Gordon Parks Foundation. (laughs) Uh, So they've given grants to a couple people I knew. One is Nina Chanel Abney. Oh, you know her? I know her personally. (laughs) She's my friend on Facebook. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) she follows us on instagram so we're friends and Derek adams who did a show at the contemporary museum in denver Mm. so i recognized his name and he's he's a cool artist as well his mother uh, jamie we're back to jamie okay his mother and many women in his family raised him thus all the Mm -hmm. women he's depicting he talks about depicting them and depicting children growing up too fast quote My community is all a bunch of adults that just grew up too fast. I have to remind myself of this constantly when I watch my own kids, just letting them be, watching them, and not laying on the weight. Um, Hmm? (laughs) Laying on the weight? Laying on the weight? Like putting pressure on them? That makes sense. Their yells are luckily those of joy. Was this a written quote or a... Yeah. Okay. So that's the correct weight. Yeah, okay. Their yells are luckily those of joy. Ours were a cry. My mission is just to empower the kids, be it literal or the ones inside us. He talks about the importance of church and religion growing up. He start, He recently made the leap to become a full-time artist. 
like literally just years ago. And uh, he reflects on how he started painting. He was always drawing on everything as a kid. He like laughs about this, his desk, the bathroom walls, like pretty much any surface (laughs) he could get his hands on. But he had anxiety and depression for a good chunk of his life and didn't really know until recently that that's what it was, Hmm. which I feel like is like a ton of people. Yeah, which I no think, one talks about mental health and mental no. awareness, and they're just especially like, I think also in communities where there isn't as much money, like the Latino community and the Black community. I think it's definitely a thing of like showing weakness, or they don't talk about it. And I feel like a lot of that stems from, I mean, besides cultural things and like just lack of resources. If you don't have the money or the insurance or the job that provides any of that stuff. Like it's just not at your fingertips. It's not something that people talk about. If you even have the time to like worry about your mental health, you know? Yep. So I think that's Yeah, mental health shouldn't be a luxury. No, absolutely not. Um, so his mom was a nurse. He had headaches and high blood pressure and his mom, because she was a nurse, would always be like, go check it out. She would go to like whatever Rite Aid and check her blood pressure all the time and so she told him he had to go do that Mm. Um, so it was really high but then she really didn't know why like she was just like that's not good that's not good so she kept just telling him he needs to calm down and um, chill out basically and he's like great thanks (laughs) Um, so he just started painting so he's working at those oil fields Mm -hmm. um, and he just started painting just to help calm himself he would paint his anxiety and depression and then it started helping and then and then he just made so he basically did his own therapy because art therapy is a huge exactly deal but then like got noticed and started getting paid for it and now that's all he does even better so cool it's the best hopefully you can just add this in and it doesn't seem weird Thibodeau, louisiana is best known for two things says the dallas observer um as the setting for the movie Fletch Lives, which I've never seen, and the Thibodeau Massacre. In the former, Chevy Chase is uh, eponymous, 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 help me out, Dana. Private Eye stumbles through 95 minutes of racist Southern stereotypes. The movie opened at number one in the box office in 1989, and the latter... 57 black sugarcane workers were slaughtered by white militiamen in 1887. And the cane cutters wanted a dollar per day. This is one of the reasons that Jamie says his hometown, his hometown is sick and cursed by the brutal, unwavering legacy of slavery and oppression. So basically, he remembers his childhood traumas, uh like his the way his house looked super rickety and and how like the crack addicts waited for homes and his friends to get out of school because they would like ask for money and food or anything and to them that was normal um which later he kind of realizes is not normal Jamie says, we didn't know if I was going to deal drugs sell clothes or be an artist but we knew I was going to do something big (laughs) Um, which is kind of the story of, for a lot of people that live in part poverty and, um, a lot of black men, unfortunately, 
because of systemic racism. So he saw his friends get pulled into gangs and drugs. And he says, he admits that, quote, he did some stupid things he'd rather not talk about, but that none of it was really that big a deal. And, but most of the time he was just drawing and stuff. But his cousin, Tyrone, told him, you have million dollar hands. Like years later, Tyrone was opening up a nightclub, his cousin Tyrone, and uh, he wanted him to paint something in the nightclub. So he kind of felt like his cousin believed in him more than anybody else. And he hadn't really painted at that point. He was just drawing all the time. But Tyrone really believed in him. And so he kind of procrastinated for doing this thing, this mural or painting in his nightclub because he was scared of disappointing his cousin because his cousin always was like talking about how much he thought he was talented. And, and then one night Tyrone was driving and got hit by a car, another car and, um, he died. So he says, quote, that broke me. I don't think I loved my family until then, like really loved. We just didn't show it. After that, I wanted them to know I was there. I wanted them to know they had me. So that was kind of a turning point. And um, he started painting because of his grandmother. Uh, He thought he was the worst. And she was like, no, no, you're amazing. (laughs) Because that's what grandmas are for. (laughs) And... um, Basically, he did what people tell writers to do. This is all from The Observer, by the way. I'm taking all of this from here. It's a great article. So like you tell writers, just write what you know. He painted what he knew, which was poverty and his family. So he was working in the oil fields, like I said. But then on nights and weekends, he was painting. And all of his paintings were about his his pain and his trauma. And he had this therapist who helped him realize, um, she said, your childhood wasn't normal. You were traumatized. And so his paintings start getting bought by galleries and rappers. He has, Rick Ross has one of his, you know, he has one of his paintings in his house. So then when he started making prints, he always makes 150 prints. He makes 50 for his family and then 100 for the public to buy. So family is really important to him, obviously. And he says, quote, that way, when my name means even more, they can get that reward. I want to put them through college. I'm going to cry because I love him so much and he's a sweetheart. Uh, Okay, so here's that piece called On a Sunday, the one with the kids in the bumper cars. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, spring in Thibodeau brought the fireman's fair. Oh, no, he doesn't say this. Library Street Collective says this. Spring in Thibodeau brought the fireman's fair. For Holmes, Sundays of his youth are a blur of days spent watching his mother do the wash and hair curlers, which is the washing machines you were noticing, yep. um, as she tried to gather her kids for mass. If they behaved, she might take them to the fair to ride the bumper cars. Sunday was always chaotic, and as a boy, he had conflicted feelings about around religion that only grew as he did. Says Holmes, religion now means something different. We were living in a reckless environment, so church felt like a safe haven and a place to listen to life lessons. Our reverend lived in the hood and talked about real things happening. 
So floral wallpaper is sometimes incorporated into Holmes's paintings, as in On a Sunday, often depicted just behind a male figure, meant to symbolize the need black men feel to present themselves as unthreatening in order to stay alive. Interesting. Oh, and I don't think I put this in there. Uh, the water is him. To him is like holy water. Like he's he paints it in on a lot of his paintings when he's like almost done. It's kind of like him blessing the painting. His way of doing that. Anyway, those are the pieces I want to talk about. Is but he? Do you know? Is he still re- practicing religion? I don't know that. Clearly, he has like a tenuous relationship with it. But yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, anyway, that's a quick look at Jamie Holmes, but I originally found him because of the aerial demonstration pieces he did after the murder of George Floyd. And he got small planes with banners reading some of George Floyd's last words to fly, uh, in five cities on Saturday, May 30th, between the hours of 1130 and 9 p.m. So in Detroit, it says, please. 1130 a.m. and 9 p.m. Okay. Sorry. So in Detroit, it reads, please, I can't breathe. In Miami, it reads, my stomach hurts. In Dallas, it reads, my neck hurts. In Los Angeles, it it reads, everything hurts. In New York, it reads, they're going to kill me. He says, with this demonstration, I hope the people across the United States will use the outlets available to them to continue to demand change. The use of Sky Media to recount Floyd's final words presents a contrast to the noise of digital media and employs a form of communication that is most often used by the privileged to announce sporting events, marriage proposals, or promote consumption. It is rarely used for political or social purposes to exercise free speech because it is an outlet unavailable to the poor and marginalized. I hope that people will be reminded of the power we can have to be heard and that coming together behind a unified message is key for real change. So, so, but they were also posters, right? Is that? Oh, so then photos of these are available on, in PDF form on his website. You can just download it for free and print it. And he encourages people to like put them up wherever as a form of protest. Mm, okay. On his site, he names organizations that he feels are the most important to donate to. So you can also do this if you haven't already. He put the Minnesota Freedom Fund, official George Floyd Memorial Fund. I run with Maud GoFundMe to raise money for Ahmaud Arbery's mother, um, Justice for Breonna Taylor, and Campaign Zero. Oh, and Reclaim the Block. So those are all places you can go to. You can also sign up at change.org for petitions like subscribe with your email and and they send you worthy petitions to sign and that's like a yeah i mean if you've ever signed a petition at change.org they send you a bunch to sign (laughs) exactly but if you have not already then like they'll send you a bunch yep um yeah so it's just jamieholmes.com and go watch the video of him on library collectives page it's I really love that video. It gives a sense of how thoughtful and sweet and cool he is and how he puts so much effort into helping other people with his work. He did like a whole campaign thing where he like had like people who needed jobs working to make like warm winter jackets for people who needed jackets, that kind of stuff. So he's a cool guy. Yeah, he sounds like such a sincere and earnest person who's out there just doing the thing that makes him feel 
safe and calm in who he is and helping other people along the way. And absolutely, I feel like when you're making work in a place that is that genuine, it's hard not to gravitate to to those people and those voices. Yes. Um, I'm going to watch that this video This is going to take this. just as long as our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep, pretty much. Yep. All right, here we go. Here we go. Look at she looks serious too. Ugh. So many serious portraits. I you need, have to have serious portraits if you're yeah, an artist. I need you to come take some portraits of me because no one else. I'm not comfortable with anybody else. I just want you to be like, you kind of have a double chin in that. Like move your head a little. Like no one else is gonna yep. do that for me, you know? But you will. George took a photo of me in the studio with, I think, my hustle blood, maybe. I was like, be honest. Like, make sure you get the best angles. This is film. We're not going to f- waste 12 frames. Right. And he finally told me, he was like, okay, like, lift up your head a little bit. Like, you kind of have a double chin yes. thing going. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for pointing out I my need. double chin. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it at any other time in life. Yeah. But nope. right now is important. <laughs> Yeah, because all the other photos he has of me is when I'm sleeping or he's like, or Danny trying really hard to take a nice photo of me. But there's just no like he sees me as beautiful and perfect all the time. And I'm like, what the I look like a monster. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Um, but Toyin does not have a double chin. She has a beautiful jaw. Yeah, she does. And she's wearing a turtleneck, which makes me look like a turtle. (laughs) (laughs) When you wear a turtleneck? Oh, yeah. I look just like a turtle. No, just no neck. In a bad way. When people with long necks wear them, it looks so good. I like the dinosaurs. Oh, can you imagine a dinosaur <gasps> in a turtleneck? <laughs> I'm sure there's a cartoon of that somewhere. Yep. So her name, Toyin Oji Odutola. Damn neck tattoo. Odutola mouth movements that like i can't like rolling r's. curl my i can't like i can roll my r's but i can't like taco my tongue or yeah. do like the weird shapes i can't mm-hmm. wink i can't do anything with my eyebrows <laughs> so basically i'm missing half the muscles in my face so speaking is really difficult for me but you're not gonna have any wrinkles though because can't do there's no muscles face. to move I got mad wrinkles in my forehead because I'm always doing shit with my eyebrows all the time. You think if someone just photographed you in those moments? No, it's bad. Then I'm like, we won't do that. They can't see me. We need to take some more. Next time we're together, we need to take a bunch of photos in lots of different outfits for our Instagram. So we have many photos together. (laughs) We'll be like those internet digital people who broke down Trump's new portraits he posted and saw that they were taken like 10 minutes apart. What? There was like two photos, one of him in one room signing something and then one in another room in a different outfit signing something. And tech people know that if you open the file info, yeah, the file info, it tells you like it's time stamped and everything. And they were taken like 10 minutes apart. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm showing a bunch of work from different years and time periods, but there's two types of work that are very different. Like her 2020 work is visually very different from all of her earlier work. So I'm going to briefly go over that because I love it. Otherwise, I would just go with her previous work, which is also pretty, but her text work is just speaks to my soul. It's like 
white paper on a beige mat with just handwritten text. Oh, no. And then you sure you didn't make this work? (laughs) I would claim it as my own. What if you were trying to secretly (laughs) promote yourself? So this artist, this really cool artist I just discovered, she's not very well known. (laughs) Um, So this 2020 piece is, it was at Jack Shaman Gallery, which she's represented by. And the show's called Tell Me a Story, I Don't Care If It's True. Um, And these works are all... It's a lot of small portrait pieces and then like little blurbs of text and like really interestingly mm. arranged on the Custom mat. Custom you know? yeah. There's no clear order to them and they're like staggered on each yeah. piece. So here's one example. You can see together like in the upper left-hand corners, the graphite drawing of a figure just from his chest up to his head and then right below off to the right is this text piece and then there's a bunch of just empty mat space below both of them and the text piece says let me zoom in and read it it says the train ride was long which gifted the opportunity for wild imaginings scanning my surroundings i meet his eyes an unexpected match after what seemed like an eternity a faint smirk creeps across his lips and all i could think of was what to do with him As his eyes inspected me with bemusement, my mind read him, every inch. My eyes, like studious fingers, explored the bridge of his nose, his cocked chin, the coils of his hair. What would I do if no one else was around? What might involuntarily escape my mouth? How would it sound? Would you lean in? Shorten the distance between us? What might you try? The intercom rings. This is 34th Street, Penn Station, connections available to... He suddenly gets up, grabbing a weathered duffel bag from under his seat. I shudder, absentmindedly, then turn to look for another story. As he edges toward the exit, he leans over to me, smiling close enough so I only can hear. Like those all-stars, bruh. I nod out of instinct, return a smile as a thanks for the compliment. The sneakers aren't mine. (laughs) nice so those are these different moments that she writes some are you know little brief moments and then others are longer and more detailed like this and then she has these other pieces so this was Mm. in 2018 called the show was called when legends die and they're all of these are more portraits and they're charcoal pastel and pencil i believe um it gives it such a specific look yeah, I don't even know how to explain it. it. Like, there's just so much texture on everything. Like, their skin looks almost like ribbony. Yeah. Um, and then there's like her shirt and the tablecloths and the cups and the the teapot. Like, everything is so there's so much movement within the, every piece. So yeah. there's that. There's a man wading in water that's covered in lily pads or things like that. Then there's this woman gazing off this one's my favorite (laughs) yeah she's it looks like she's in the 50s or 60s and she's in this retro pink car gazing off past the camera in the desert and then there's a woman just sitting on a like a balcony another girl next to a 
boat standing in a lake or a pond, it looks like. Um, then these two figures, one's riding side saddle on horses, and they're all with this same very, very These ones deep. on the horse are a little different. Yeah, these are her, her face and stuff. earlier works. Okay. Anyways, my first impression, I split it between the figures and then the 2020 work. So for the 2020 work, my first impression is just that it's very different from her previous work, which was all portraits and basically still lives. And now she's incorporating handwritten text with these portraits. Um, And sometimes it's just the text alone. And the portraits are much smaller. They're just like instead of full frames and full bodies, it's just focusing on kind of the shoulders up and not so much like the background or the scene the rest of like the narrative of what's going on just right person yeah i think i talk about like the cues that you would get from the scene are now removed and you're Mm -hmm. getting those cues from the text that she's giving you she has more control over how you view the scene through her eyes instead of like just viewing a scene Mm -hmm. i mean obviously like she has control over drawing a scene yeah technically but like it seems like since it's coming from her narrative or whatever yeah and the newer works the text play takes the place of the scene they're now mostly cropped portraits of people some with color some in graphite and the information is now delivered through vignettes of information similar to these behind you can't see but like my coffee grounds series Mm -hmm. the um white out ones there's I think we have this similar interest in both of the work of this informational gap to, between text and image and how the mind connects these two forms of information. Yeah. Of course, I love that she's playing with placement and composition of these things and the relationship between the two forms of information that she's giving and like how those interact and the empty space around that is fascinating. In all of these, whether it's its image composition or the text, everything feels very cinematic. It's an act of storytelling. So there's a certain quality of, I also felt a certain quality of like offness about them. Like something that's just kind of, whether it's dreamlike or quirky or like it's just something that was just not entirely 100% accurate portrait of something. Well, when you were reading the one, it felt very like, Maybe so, like almost a like a fiction based on maybe true events where like things are bumped up a bit mm-hmm. and maybe there's a little like extra thing in there that didn't really happen. Like it really felt like like almost exaggerated, um, fictionalized form of what might have really happened or yeah. whatever. It yeah, felt like just... a fiction, you know, the way it was written. Yeah. So there's all these things, whether it's in the portraits are in these moments of text where it is a little bit dreamlike or intentionally making you question just what's being presented a little bit. Mm-hmm. So whether it's like figures waiting in water fully clothed or like time periods and some figures look like they're from today while there's a portrait of you know the older woman that's like in the 50s and 60s which feels a bit kind of like Cindy Sherman-esque. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then, which like that in itself plays on cinematic imagery. Mm -hmm. And then just like the deadpan horizon lines contribute to that as well. It's just kind of this very, like it's cinematic and staged in a way. Yeah. Um, And then like straight on too. 
Yeah, that's what I meant by deadpan horizon yeah. lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even like people and you know, er- there's just a lot of just very squared. Yeah. Um, and then in the earlier works, there's a lot of signifiers of certain amount of wealth or social status, whether it's jewelry, painted nails, um, like horses and equestrian scenes, fashionable clothing, art and artifacts, and a lot of depictions of leisure. Um, though there are no smiles, everyone's very straight faced. Um, they feel intimate in a way that intimacy is depicted on screen to me, like a passing moment that if photographed in real life, it would be like tainted or contaminated with an uncomfortable smile or body gesture that, you know, like if someone's actually photographing these moments, I feel like there'd be this moment of just like tension, but these feel fly on the wall. Yeah. These feel natural in a way that's like then not natural because yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, like no one's actually standing there. Yeah. But you're viewing it the way you would in a movie, like you're saying. Yeah. So in the same sense, unnatural because of that. Um, and then skin seems to be a particular importance here, not just because they're portraits of black individuals, but the texture and movement she depicts within the skin mm-hmm. demands attention. Like it is such a focal point in all of these works that it doesn't feel anecdotal or like arbitrary and especially in those earlier ones yeah yeah it's almost like patterned the skin is patterned with like yeah exactly yeah so what it's really about i think you probably nailed it (laughs) is that good (laughs) it sounded really nice (laughs) see guys Um, you can do it you just have to pick apart everything that comes into your mind. Yeah. I think that's a really helpful skill to learn. And it's something it was fun to do, at least for me personally, because it was mm-hmm. just like, I don't do it anymore. I If I go to a museum, I feel rushed. Like, I just want to read the thing and go to the next one or whatever. It's yeah. nice to just like sit and stare at something and be like, why, why, why? It's just interesting. Obviously, we're going to have personal associations that we have that we bring into the work that other people aren't going to know but if we're good at communicating which i feel like artists for the most part are Mm -hmm. you pick up on things whether it's just the mood of the piece or signifiers that are in it and i think viewers don't give themselves enough credit and enough time to allow themselves that opportunity to really hear a piece yeah and to not be too hard on yourself when you're not right, because we also have very specific personal experiences that like change how we experience certain things or like our associations how many with them. Crits have we been in where either we're talking about someone else's piece or other people are talking about our pieces and like I'm getting this and blah 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 and like have you ever thought about this and whatever yeah. and just being like you could not be more wrong yeah you're the opposite of what like i have zero interest in what you're saying but that's yeah. also helpful because if the audience mm-hmm. and their viewers are going that direction you need to know so if that's something you don't want to touch upon that needs to be clear yeah so yeah. if they're like a good portion of them are saying that then it's like okay well i need to change something or yeah but anyways, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to say that because part of my intention for this whole way of doing things is to like open people up. It's what I've always wanted is to like yeah. talk to random people on the streets and be like, what do you think about art? And have them not be freaked out about it. <laughs> yeah. 
It's scary though. It is. It's we were scared. (laughs) We went to art school. (laughs) When Olive first proposed this concept to me of like, let's talk about what we think it is. I was just like, no, (laughs) not doing that. (laughs) She straight up was just like, no, it's not happening. No, like it will help other people be confident in doing it. We're not perfect, and she's just like, "Mm." it was only when she said, we can delete everything if it's not okay, and I was like, okay, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) nothing on the line. But it all ended up being fine for now. Mm-hmm. Next time we're super wrong. Okay. So what it's really about. Rendered life-size in charcoal pastel and pencil, Odotola's figures appear enigmatic and mysterious set against luxurious backdrops of domesticity and leisure. Leisure. Got that word right. <laughs> mm, leisure. Um they and the worlds they inhabit are informed by the artist's own array of inspirations, which range from art history to popular culture to experiences of migration and dislocation. Highly attentive to details and the nuances of space, class, and color, whether of palette or skin, she continues her examinations of narrative, authenticity, and representation. Uh, she says, It started as a story I was writing with random drawings. It became an extended pictorial narrative about wealth and nobility and the sort of self-possession and ownership of capital that surrounds you instead of you being the capital. In other words, it's a meditation on what might have been possible in Africa if colonial conquest had never happened. Mm. She also says, there is no story that is not true, Uh, says Uchendu halfway through. Wait. Who's Ochenda? <laughs> oh, maybe it's a person. Maybe this was an interview. A person writing about it? Yeah. yeah. There's no story this is not true. So someone halfway through um, Achebe's Things Fall Apart, which we talked about in Injadeka's episode. Mm-hmm. Storytelling is at the core of her drawings, which focus on the fictional narrative of... So she actually created this narrative, which I'm going to explain, that followed her for three parts there was like part one part two a i think then part two b and then part three um that were all of these portraits that were centered around this fictitious narrative that she came up with mm. so um the frohawk what frohawk two feathers still have to do an episode on him but his narrative is so convoluted that i can't tackle it <laughs> you need like extra time to prepare for that I need like three years as many years as he spent doing this narrative and that's how much time i need man <laughs> good luck yeah. anyway um so this is fictional narrative of tmh jador for emeka a male heir of a long-standing noble clan who marries temitope Modele, the son of a bourgeois family who, with recently acquired wealth. The popular couple are cultural leaders in their community, and they exhibit their renowned art collection at notable art venues in the United States. The interviewer asks, storytelling is a crucial part of your practice. Do you write your stories before illustrating them? And she says, I don't consider myself a writer. My writing is a 
is as episodic as my drawings. Once I sort out a story's outline and key themes, I select the scenes I want to explore more deeply, and they eventually transform into sketches. At this point, I'll also focus on research about a specific time period in Nigeria. Without that scaffolding, I delve into plot points and build out the characters' relationships to one another. Depending on how complex a particular drawing is, I'll do 10 to 20 sketches. I am weaving something that I hope is not necessarily about text, which is like a safety net for me, but rather about a visual language with cues that words cannot provide. However, I need text to give me the permission to draw. They are two intertwining paths. Interesting that she kind of seems to be going the opposite in 2020. Yeah. Like she's yeah. like, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to rely on this a lot. I feel like it's kind of like what I told you. If you're drawn to something, you just need to embrace it. Like mm-hmm. stop running <laughs> from <Yeah>. it. <laughs> um, Truly. <laughs> but I mean, she's clearly like I was talking about storytelling and cinematic stuff. Like yeah. she's. Oh. Absolutely. Clearly going down that that path and seeing it unfold before her. Also, I feel like she did it. Like those first ones, she did it. She didn't have to worry about not being able to provide the the visual language with cues that words cannot provide. She already did that. Yep. Check that off the list. Now you can do what you want. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Olive gives you permission, Dwayne. Go ahead. (laughs) You can do anything. (laughs) Text all day. (laughs) She just becomes a writer. A novelist. <laughs> She's like, well, fuck drawing then. <laughs> Wait, is she Nigerian? Yes, she oh, is. Okay. Right. I'm going to go into this a little bit. Oh, sorry. So in Twain's drawings, however, the subjects are relaxed, casual, at leisure, caught in the moments as if in a snapshot rather than formally posed. The gay newlywed heirs, which there's irony here since in Nigeria, homosexuality is illegal, oh, damn. slouch with untucked shirts and open collars. An interviewer said, so when you draw someone, it's not based on a formal sitting. And she said, it's very misleading when people call me a portraitist. I work from photography and often it's a composite of multiple people, but I'm very fortunate that I have really badass, beautiful people around me that compel me to draw them. So from what I've read in interviews, it's usually like friends will come over and they'll do something where she's like, oh my God, that was gorgeous. Can you just stand there? And she'll take some photos on her phone and then use those and then incorporate it into a scene in her paintings. That's cool. She says, you are known for creating elaborate fictional worlds with the story unfolding across a series of drawings. What attracts you to working, to that way of working? And she said... I think I've always wanted to work this way, but when I was studying art in school, I was pushed towards identity art. See? Mm-hmm. Say it's identity and Everything memory. identity. We covered those two things. Especially if you're not white, then you definitely yep. have to. You have to, or else people will be mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> so silly. Again, live by Olive's rules. <laughs> don't. Can't go wrong. Especially if you're religious. Please don't. <laughs> um. She said, because I'm a black woman, they were like, the only thing of worth you can offer is yourself. But I started working professionally. I realized that what I really like is telling stories. It freed me up from being beholden to my own story. My story's not that interesting. You can find out where I was born on Google. What I'm interested in is the could, the possibility of something, not the should or the would. And then as far as the skin... Uh, She said, people tend to, because of the history of America, put a lot of emphasis on skin. When I started doing this style, 
when I started rendering the skin in this way, I was thinking about what it felt like to have that skin on. Mm. The more recent work in 2020, the text-based stuff, she said, when engaging with image making, suspicions around legibility and interpretation often come to mind. As with the written text, visual language has a set of symbols which can direct a reader to a frame of meanings. For instance, when you hear or read the word chair, a series of images come to mind that represent an object upon which one can sit. Even when more abstract depictions, such as love, one's emotions and experiences help render a picture. How might this translate in a figurative drawing? Does seeing a picture of a red chair read the same as someone reading that reference? What happens when an image and text work in tandem? What faculties of understanding are needed when a text reads as chair, but the image depicts infatuation or a loss of love? Does a third meaning arrive from combining the two? I am often fascinated with how miscommunications happen and what the imagination conjures in misconstrued spaces, the gulfs between what is intended and how it is received. Mm, I love that. That's interesting. I feel mm -hmm. like that's kind of what we were just talking about in a, a different way about like how people have their own experiences and bring that to the chair, to the chair, <laughs> the red chair, and they bring that to the red chair. And then, <laughs> but they're thinking of their own interpretations of those things or what those things mean to them. And mm -hmm. that's what she's saying. If you say red chair, yep. they bring their own interpretations. If you give a red chair, they're building off of that in a different way. Like it's going to go different directions. It's just yeah. like different ways of communicating and putting those together it's, well, there's so much information. If you say a red chair, you're given an you're given sort of a foundation of imagery, like chair and red. But what color red? What kind of chair? When you're presented with an image of a chair, whether it's a it's painted red or if it's like a black and white picture and it says red, like all of these things are yeah. more information you're getting. So then you're getting that specific chair. And then what associations do you have with that chair? Is it a familiar chair? Is it a new chair right. to you? All of these things mean something. Yeah. Um, and that's where I find really interesting text and image work together because of these gap spaces and what it becomes much more participatory for um viewers them together and yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's cool so i'm going to give you a little bit about her life so she was born in 1985 in ifa nigeria and is of y yoruba and Igbo descent Igbos wow. um yeah. in jadekas i know all about Igbo now village yeah just that um, it's not pronounced igbo that's one igbo. of the main things <laughs> yep i was listening to um my my book podcast what is it called book cheat and uh they were reading things fall apart so i was listening to it and he said igbo and i was like oh you didn't do your research whoa yeah mm. um, Ooh, that makes me happy in some sort of a way <laughs> not happy that he didn't do his research but just happy to be to know something that the person reading a thing doesn't know <laughs> especially when it comes to standard. spelling and grammatical errors like it's not usually my thing. Both of her parents were teachers. And in 1990, her mother took Toyin and her two-year-old brother to the United States to accompany their father in Berkeley, California, where they were undergoing research and teaching chemistry at the university. Shout out to Cal. What's Cal? Berkeley. Oh, why is it called Cal? 
It's just what people refer to it as. Like their sweatshirts with just C-A-L-L. Because it's, I mean, I don't know, it's Cal State Berkeley. But it's it's always, it's like universally referred to. Universally. (laughs) (laughs) In the galaxy, everyone calls it Cal. (laughs) I thought you were trying to make a pun. (laughs) (laughs) Universally. That would be the worst pun. It would be a bad one. Um, I'm interested so, because it doesn't interest me. This you're whispering now. No one's oh gonna hear god, this. Oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, I'm almost at the top on my thing. I can't believe I'm whispering. Literally I now. T- now because I'm being louder, I'm over the line. <laughs> That's fine. I'd prefer over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After four years in Berkeley, the family moved to Huntsville, Alabama, in 1994, where her father became a professor at Alabama A&M University and her mother a nurse. Her mother got her coloring book of her favorite character, which was from The Lion King, and it was Timon. And this is where she discovered drawing, and she said she got totally lost in this coloring book. I can't believe Timon was her favorite character. He's the kind of my least favorite character. Really? Yeah. I prefer Pumbaa over Timon. You would. (laughs) (laughs) But that's still not my favorite. My favorite was Simba because he was... The main character? I also liked Luke from Star Wars, so I'm such a normcore. I was always caught up in like, I don't know. I guess he wasn't a good boy. I was always caught up in the good boy thing, like Luke from Star Wars. Like everyone loved Han Solo. I had no idea he was like a thing people loved. I didn't like the bad boys. I wasn't, I didn't get that part. (laughs) And then you dated a gangster. And then I dated a gang member. (laughs) Until later when I really understood how the world worked. Oh, this is a bad boy. Oh, I get it. I get the appeal. I love to be in danger. 10 years too late. (laughs) What would your favorite Lion King? I really liked how kooky Rafiki was when he's like <gasps> oh my spinning God, he's his so head back funny. and forth. Yeah. <laughs> he just I had really a joke like... going with himself all the time. Yeah, he was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, so he was probably funny. Rafiki. Nice. Even as a kid, though. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Okay, I mean, I thought yeah. he was hilarious too, but I don't think I would pin him as my favorite at that. And this age. is why I ended up at Danvers State Hospital. Yeah, that's true. You loved the crazies. Is that okay to say? I shouldn't. (laughs) We shouldn't say crazies anymore. No, never. This was really cool. So her art teacher in high school saw Toyin's talent and made her the first student in an advanced art program and introduced her to the work of black artists and writers, including Carrie James Marshall, which you're going to be doing. Yep. And Kara Walker, who I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Um. She went on to major in studio art and communications at the University of Alabama. Her art teacher there nominated her for Yale Summer Art Residency in Connecticut. And the rest of the faculty were against it. What? I don't know why. Dicks. They said Toyin um, because she had been tagged as a troublemaker. She admits, I've got a mouth on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But her art teacher fought super hard and mm-hmm. she was accepted to the to the residency and she said it was the worst experience of my life because the way they talked yeah she said the way they talked to artists of color was really racist the last week i was there i was told that i should probably change my major i just remember thinking fuck you i'm gonna prove you wrong oh my god also the sad part is is we shouldn't be surprised but we are because we don't 
we don't have to deal with that. But man, that makes me really mad. But that's this the, is why I went to Cal art. Arts and not Yale. <laughs> yeah, Fuck stick Yale. by my decision. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Yale, sorry. But really, you should do better. Me? No, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I probably should. I should be a better artist. Lindsay lives by, Lindsay lives by Olive's <laughs> words as well, even though she knows I'm full of shit a lot of times. <laughs> Olive told me I should be doing better in life. <laughs> just in general. I just am not you impressed. You should be doing better. You know, I'm just not impressed with you right now. I just think you could do better. Sorry. Um. So she didn't apply to Yale's graduate art school Good, as a result, but instead she won a full scholarship to California College of the Arts um, out here in San Francisco, where she received her MFA degree. And to be. in 2013, she moved to New York. She's got museum exhibitions, four more shows at Jack Shaman, and inclusion in Manifesta 12 the International Nomadic Biennial that is in Palermo this year cool. or at some year where this was written. <laughs> <laughs> There's a not waiting today. list. Not this year for sure. Nope, probably not this year. Yeah. Although she did show this year. Mm. There's a wait list for her drawings, some of which startle and perplex viewers. Clearly that was cut and paste. <laughs> her, her drawings startle and perplex viewers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought people were surprised there was a waiting list. <laughs> like, <laughs> she emails back. <laughs> I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> she emails back, there's a waiting list, and someone gets the email and is like, <gasps> what? oh god sorry <laughs> also startle i don't think anyone is literally startled that's ridiculous <gasps> oh there's a black person there in on a, a horse painting? horses <laughs> jesus oh oh my god Ooh. she also had a show at the whitney and since then some have criticized her for depicting wealth as a solution to black problems and she said, that's never been my aim. I use wealth as a platform. I'm analyzing it, usurping it, playing with it the way I would play with blackness, the way I would with skin, the way I do with stories. I think some people thought I was disregarding the work and suffering of black people. It's not disrespect. I just don't want to be an artist who only depicts black pain. Nice. It's so interesting that People allow, like give you permission to depict a certain again like a single story of blackness. Mm -hmm. um, and I, when it's <clears throat> I follow the hashtag. It's the only hashtag I follow because I don't I don't know I've just never have never done that. Um, amplify melanated voices, and it's really great because it does a good job of. Pretty much anyone who uses that hashtag, they're going to use it for lots of different reasons to say things that are important, but also to just like they'll tag it on their photos of like their happy family or like hmm. of their children mm -hmm. or like of them doing something great. You know, there's not just one story like we should be showing black people, black communities enjoying themselves, having joy, like doing things good and all those things to to go against all the problematic messages that we've been fed 
all of our lives about what it is to be black, yeah. you know? And showing happiness does not negate the the pain that's also experienced either. Right. And especially for black communities, I feel like that's something that I keep learning and hearing is like, that's another form of protest is to show us mm-hmm. being happy, having joy, connecting with each other and doing great things is another way of being like, fuck you. Like mm-hmm. we're doing it. And it's just another form of protest in a way. I'm not like a conscious form, but just like it is a good way to keep the movement going in like an opposite channel, basically. By the way, uh, we were not on the same page about what was going on today (gasps) i'm startled and perplexed (laughs) there's a spider running across the carpet we're not on the same page about this minisode i did not do this much research i thought we were just gonna look at the pieces (laughs) and talk about the pieces and that was pretty much it and then like a short blurb on them sorry it's okay i I I got got into her background and this was also interesting on like racist yale and her move from nigeria to the states and it felt like such a significant part of her work it is i agree but we also weren't on the same page (laughs) (laughs) so sorry we're not on the same page um solange solange Knowles is an avid collector of her work or this has been asked her of your work how did you meet which by the way I live under a rock because I did not know Solange was Beyonce's sister. (laughs) Even last time? No. Oh, my God. I only knew her as Solange, not Solange Knowles. Yeah. Aye, aye. How would I Well, now I can say it to you. You haven't heard about this? (laughs) You don't know? (laughs) You don't know How do you not know about this? How do you not know about this? (laughs) Yeah, you live under a rock. I feel like you would just know if you listen to a lot of R&B, though, because it just comes up a lot. I don't know. Maybe not. People sing about them being sisters? Well, like, I listen to it, but I also follow Beyonce and a bunch of other people on Instagram. Like, if you're into that music, you probably, like, have more outlets to learn that information. I mean, I didn't... I was just going to say the stupidest thing. I didn't always know that. <laughs> like, I knew it at some point. I found out. But obviously. At two years old, you didn't go, so I I know about it. <laughs> you don't know? You don't know about this? That would be the cutest kid. Oh, I'm going to have Romy say that. Yeah. You don't know about this? I guess I didn't hear that one. Anyway. Anyways, sorry. Now I keep feeling like there's definitely spiders on my carpet, <laughs> so I'm putting my feet up on my stool. <laughs> I'm I put in the my most... feet down on the carpet, and I'm like, no, there's probably spiders down there. I am in the most haunted room of my house with yeah, the why most. Why did you spi- say that? Just because of rats? You? No, no, no. Earlier, you were like the haunted podcasting room, and I'm like, yeah, why? it's haunted. Um, so you know how I have four stories of like clearly seeing ghosts. Yes. So. Every time I walk past this room, and for, I don't know if I'm going to include this. I don't want people to think I'm a weirdo, like, ghost person. So I'm just going to tell you. Okay. Every time I walk past I this room, I get, like, really creeped out dark feelings Ooh. that I don't get anywhere I else. I don't like house. just you saying that gave me the <laughs> darkest feeling. I'm not even, like, a feeling I get from watching horror movies that I don't, and I don't ever watch them. So they really give me bad feelings. <laughs> yeah. Like the feeling so, I get when I know that what's her name is going to kill herself in that yep. movie. Yeah, and Girl Interrupted. Whenever yeah, I hear that song. 
What? You should include this. People, I think okay. a lot of people have this experience and it's interesting even yeah. if they don't. So as a background <clears throat> for people, it's not just like I've had weird feelings and call it a ghost experience. I've like looked face to face with like a farmer ghost in my kitchen for seven <laughs> seconds. Ghost. He was a farmer ghost with chains <laughs> like over his shoulder. Seven seconds just like staring each other down. And then I had another one. I watched like a boy in a parking lot, like run, a sprint across the parking lot and like run through a fence like only a ghost could and into the baseball field. <laughs> the best <laughs> statement. Like only a ghost could. <laughs> um, he was also kind of like glowing-ish. And then at my high school boyfriend's house, there was a completely blacked out old lady figure. She was just like a shadow figure sitting on the edge of his bed and i was walking through the hallway with his mom and i like did a double take and she was like you saw her didn't you <gasps> and oh my god i just got full body chills that <laughs> freaks me out and i said yeah and apparently she sees her all the time oh my um, god and then lastly there was a like a voice in my brother's house who like mocked me when i was the only one in the back of the house he was like an asshole ghost <laughs> <laughs> i got so made fun of for this story because i was at my brother's house and neil was there and they went to go get a mattress and they came back and i had wicket with me my first dog and he all week he was fine going back to that room and for some reason this night he did not want to go back there and i had to be Trust like him. and um i went to put him in his crate and as he was going in a voice in my right ear behind me in this low grumbly voice just goes meow <gasps> <laughs> chills again <laughs> no and I like whipped around. No one was there. And then my okay, brother and Neil were coming back through the front hallway. And I told them. So all weekend it was like, meow. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but <laughs> That's really scary. And the first, so the first one with the, the farmer, I was like on AIM typing to all my friends. My mom made me run up to do laundry. And I like ran up, put my load in, and I was running back down to get back because I only had an hour of AIMing time, you right, know, at right. night. So I was like yeah. sprinting down the stairs it took to up get the phone back. Lines. <laughs> yeah. And I was like running back down and I got to the bottom of the stairs and then he was standing right in the kitchen at the bottom. So it's not any of these moments I'm like, let's get creeped out and go ghost hunting. Right. Um, or you're like a small child that doesn't understand something. Or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, and that all happened in like a couple of years. It was like, I was vibrating on a higher frequency in those couple of years of teenage life or something. something. Well, Danny but, says that all the time, like his grandma and him and kind of his dad have like the same sensibility where they've like all seen things. And, hmm. you know, they, a lot of people talk about having, you know, like certain people have that sense to them yeah. or whatever. Um, I'm clearly not one of those people because <laughs> I've never seen it. I think I'm just oblivious. Even if I saw something, I'd yeah. be like, eh, it's just like a thing. You yeah. Know, I don't ever. That's just, just a man in the kitchen. <laughs> that's just like a weird man. <laughs> hey, bud. Excuse me. I got to get back to A. Yeah. Your chains look really dirty. Can you go outside with that? <laughs> oh, speaking of ghosts. um, So <laughs> Romeo has seen like it's halloween right so he's like mm -hmm. seeing ghosts everywhere <laughs> not real ones um like at home depot there's a huge blow-up ghost and it's really mm -hmm. cute had a smile on and so he was talking about ghosts a lot 
So then he asked what it was. Like at some point he was confused. Yeah. And it was early in the morning and he just just like laying in my bed. And he goes, what is a ghost, mommy? What is it? And I started to explain it. I was like, well, when people die, like, and Danny was like, stop, what are you doing? And I'm like, what? I'm just explaining it to him. He's like, don't do that. Aww. He's like, just tell him it's like Casper. Like, pull up a picture of Casper or something. And I was like, what does All that right. mean, though? But he's going to be like, who's Casper? I think it just gives him like a... Something. I don't know. Yeah. He's like, just tell him it's pretend and like, show him a picture of Casper. And I was like... Okay. <laughs> I literally was about to explain it. So when people die, sometimes we don't So really, when you die, when if you die, die tomorrow, I'll die, I'll die first. It'll be really traumatic. You but go to the light. We think. We don't really know. Mm. But now I'm trying to explain to him Dia de los Muertos. I thought he would understand more because of Coco. So I, mm. that was why I like decided to yeah. include him a little bit more. But no. So then I'm telling him, like, we're going to make a path with the petals so that they can find the altar and all the things that we're leaving them. So now he, like, wakes up from his nap all the time. And he's like, is everybody here? Like, he thinks it's going to be like a party. Oh, this is so cute. Like, they're going to see my drawings because we're putting his drawings on the altar for yeah, them. Yeah. So he's like, are they here yet to see my drawings I made for them? And I'm like, oh. Yeah. I mean, even someone asked me, asked me, like because I've seen ghosts, how I feel about afterlife and things like that. And I'm like, yeah. honestly, I still don't know. And I still don't really believe in an afterlife. If anything, the best explanation I like is a glitch in space and time, like a sort of like moment of overlap. Um, is is the explanation Like what for I'm what? seeing. Yeah. Oh, what you're seeing. I yeah. see. Ooh, so that's So it's not cool. like a ghost from someone who's died and coming back but it's like this like moment where time gets like a wrinkle in time i haven't read yeah. that book but me neither. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um just this moment where like things kind of glitch out a little bit Ooh, that's interesting i love i mean that doesn't explain ghosts but i do love just like <laughs> oh things. do i need to do better yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, me. What I'm about to say doesn't explain this. Oh. <laughs> you did a great job. Wonderful. Nice job. Um, I don't know. Just like Buddhist things. They were all just connected mm -hmm. and we don't really, like our ego dies, but nothing else really dies. Mm -hmm. We all kind of just go back around. Um, anyway, back. So Solange. <laughs> so anyway, Solange, Beyonce's sister. <laughs> did you know she's Beyonce's sister? I actually knew. I've known that forever. <sighs> I was born knowing it. Wow. Before, I wonder if Solange is younger than me. <laughs> but she is. <laughs> Probably with those dance moves, she definitely Hell is. yeah. Toyin said, Solange is a dear friend. Ugh. She was, <laughs> I know, I know. Shut it. She was one of the very first people to reach out to me as a fan and be a patron. She has a deep knowledge of design and art history. She models for me as well. I feel... I feel bad because I force her to do these poses. We're hanging out and I say, oh, you look really cool there. And I'll take a photo and ends up being a drawing. She'll be like, when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> so she has a quite a bit of accomplishments too. Um, if you want to look up, they're all on her website. And she's in a lot of public collections like Museum of Modern Art, the Whitney, the Met, Institute of Contemporary Art Boston, just a lot of amazing places. I think we also did people that are on different levels of their career. 
<laughs> because Jamie just started. Yeah. Like he well, literally hadn't even shown where he lives yet, like in Dallas. And so yeah. like he has I didn't realize that she was this well known. Um, I didn't know of her, and maybe I am just living under a rock in this case too. <laughs> but she's young, like she's young. And so was Angedeca. After doing research, she was a lot more accomplished than I had initially thought. So my bad, but I had already done the research. Nice. I just worry about this actually being, we're going to call it a minisode, but it's going to be a full episode. I can take it. I really like her work. Do you like it? I do. I, it's so funny how, this is why I love making this podcast so much is because you just just increases my interest in all sorts of things like maybe if i had just seen a couple shots of these i'd be like Meh, or whatever mm-hmm. you know but there's so much more to every what everybody makes mm-hmm. most of the time um and i love learning about it so much it's pushed me to look at work more outside of my realm of what i normally would have and what i'm so obviously attracted to yeah. And even like artists you choose are not always artists that I would have chosen, but I get to know more information about them and that then makes them interesting. And it's a good lesson that we need to take the time to actually spend with these works and give them yeah. the opportunity to be interesting to us versus making such quick decisions on them. I agree. I feel the same about your artists or like maybe I wouldn't have picked it. Like, or maybe it wasn't my first pick, but I get so interested and I feel so connected to them after you tell me about them. And then mm-hmm. when I'm going to choose my next artist, it's like more out of the realm of who I would normally pick. Like, yeah. like even Lorna, I feel like is that more out of the realm of who, I, like she's got video art. <laughs> you know how much I fucking hate you video art. <laughs> love video art. What are you talking about? Your favorite artists are all video artists. <laughs> I hate it. Um, but I don't hate hers and I'm really like opening myself up to it. So I think it's interesting. Like I make video art. <laughs> I like yours because it's not. It, well, because I know you. This is the exact reason. I think it's like I don't I need to do better. <laughs> Listen. You just gotta do better and then it'll be better. I'm just gonna Everything go my sketchbook better. now and like the shining wise, just like I need to do better. Dude, all my <laughs> isn't that weird yeah that's the weird thing on my wall now because i took all my books and stuff away because i packed them behind her computer just says better (laughs) just a cut out from a magazine (laughs) oh man wait can we stop recording or say our goodbyes sorry (laughs) oh say our goodbyes because last time we didn't right we did not Um, well thank you goodbye (laughs) goodbye thanks for sharing toyin Toyin. Toyin. Thank you for sharing Toyin's work with me. I loved learning about her. She's a badass. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing Jamie. Yeah. I really like his paintings, actually. I wish I could be that loose and gestural me too. with my own work. He inspired me to just um, staple canvas to the wall and just work on it because in one of his works he was doing that. And I'm like, that sounds like a much needed because I've like been getting tighter and tighter and tighter with the things yeah. that I do, especially yeah. with the glitches. Like <clears throat> things get super tight. Yeah. So I'm inspired to just like put canvas up and just do whatever. So do it. I will. Do better. Just be better for God's sakes. <laughs> for Gabriel's sake. Okay. I thank love you, you for listening. Yeah, thanks. I guys. hope you have no scary ghost stories this week. If you do, 
put a review on our podcast about Tell it. Tell us in a review if what you your scary stories are. If you put on a review about your scary ghost story, we will send you a Brad sticker, an exclusive mm-hmm. first run of a Brad sticker. We're a religious slash ghost, ghost story <laughs> slash art podcast. <sighs> yeah. I love you. Do better, guys. Do better. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.